Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. During this NFL offseason, there's nothing more enjoyable than the learning about the origins of some of these great teams that uh, we look and watch and celebrate today. In this episode, we celebrate the history and the origin of the Atlanta Falcons franchise, where they came from, how they were named, and how they came about. This story is coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition of looking at some NFL franchises or professional football franchises in general and the origin stories of how the team came about, uh, who started them, and maybe the, possibly the name. You know, where did that come from? And today's focus is going to be on the Atlanta Falcons uh, franchise. But before we get into that, let's make sure you're aware of our daily newsletter, 6.30 a.m. each and every day from the Yesteryear Hub that covers the Pigskin Dispatch podcast. Pigskin Dispatch web pages, Jersey Dispatch, and the Sports Jersey Dispatch website podcast, and Orville Mulligan Sports Writer. Very easy to sign up for. Go to jerseydispatch.com, pigskindispatch.com, or these very show notes of this podcast to sign up. Two simple questions and you're in. And each day, 6.30 a.m., you'll receive much of uh, what's going on in those sites as well as the sportshistorynetwork.com. Now let's get to our feature story. The Atlanta Falcons NFL franchise always has exciting stories, players, and coaches that keep the fans watching their games and, you know, just a, a great franchise to follow. Now, the rise of the Falcons as a team in the National Football League, it has a great storyline as well. And to understand the franchise's origins, we must take a look at the city's growth and, and a brief history of Atlanta, Georgia. The story of Atlanta starts with the American transportation industry. The town was founded in 1837 as a destination of sorts. Its beginnings as a population center called Marthasville was formed because it was at the end of the Western and Atlantic Railroad line. Marthasville was chosen uh, because it was the name of the daughter of then Georgia's governor's daughter. And a more popular slang term for the town was terminus, referring to the terminal end of the railroad line. Now, those references were soon changed as the area grew in population and importance to the name of Atlanta. This new name is the feminine word form of the word Atlantic, as in the railroad that started it, the Western and Atlantic Railroad. Now, the city's population grew to just over 9,550 citizens by 1860. 
but this only lasted a short time as the Civil War broke out shortly thereafter. Now, due to the importance of the town with its rail line, it became a major strategic importance for the militaries of both sides. The Union Army marched into the area in 1864 and was a location of several major army battles, culminating in the Battle of Atlanta and a four-month-long siege of the city by the Union Army under the command of General William Tecumseh Sherman as part of Sherman's March. Now, after the devastation of the war was done, Atlanta slowly built itself, just like the rest of the South, in the Reconstruction Era. Now, as it was rebuilt, it also grew to new heights as the railroads became extremely integral to the new Industrial Revolution and the products of the South and the movements of goods and products throughout the country and to ports abroad. Now, the next period of growth was just after World War II as service members returned home. The city was a center for the civil rights movement in the early 1960s and the population grew again rapidly in those early 1960s. This put the city at a level where the burgeoning professional sports leagues started to take notice. The community leaders saw the sports industry's importance to growth and success and they took a gamble. In 1965, they finished building the then state-of-the-art Atlanta Stadium later to be known as Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Soon after, the Milwaukee Braves le- relocated to the area, seeing the potential of having a Major League Baseball franchise in the Deep South. Well, pro football at the same time, and maybe a little, even a little bit before that, uh, was exciting too, and they were excited about the area. And at the time, there were two rival and competing leagues in the NFL and the AFL, and both had their sights set on the state of Georgia capital city. Now, Atlanta was attractive for the competing pro football organizations for much the same reason as baseball was attracted to it. It was the absence of other franchises in the southern region. Now, up to that point, the closest pro football teams that people in the southeast could root for were the Washington Redskins to the north and the fairly new Dallas Cowboys franchise, a considerable excursion uh, to the west. Well, the opportunity gave way to a pair of town factions, each wanting to secure pro football for Atlanta. One of them was a conglomerate headed by a young businessman named Rankin M. Smith, a successful life insurance executive that had been active in the NFL ex- exhibition games and promotions for the National Football League in the area. The Smith Group had applied for franchises in both the AFL and the NFL. They sort of hedged their bet a little bit, if you would. Another group reported it had invested money for a franchise and locked into the adjoining uh, the American Football League. They were hitching their horse to that one league. And this group was made up of a few local businessmen from the Cox Broadcasting uh, Company. And both sides were working independently from each other and in different directions. Eventually, the Cox Broadcasting contingent worked out a deal and was awarded an AFL franchise on June 8, 1965, based on acquiring the the, and the contingency of the exclusive stadium rights uh, for Atlanta Stadium by city officials. Now, not to be outdone in this new gridiron battle for Atlanta, NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle, seeing the AFL had an advantage, seemed to was a little bit lethargic toward gaining the Atlanta franchise up to that point, but he was motivated now by the AFL's interest in the uh, eminent, uh, you know, granting of a franchise there so he immediately traveled to Atlanta to prevent the AFL expansion did all he could to uh, stop it and one way is to get the NFL franchise 
He forced the city to choose between the two leagues, and before the end of the month, the city officials decided Roselle and the NFL were their choice for a franchise. On June 30th, 1965, the National Football League awarded its 15th franchise to the city of Atlanta to a 41-year-old Rankin Smith for $8.5 million. This decision set the AFL's original plans for two new expansion teams in 1966 for Atlanta and Philadelphia. They put a little bit of a a detour on that. Uh, Later, this AFL expansion effort resulted in the Miami Dolphins the next year, 1966, and the Cincinnati Bengals in 1968. Well, back to Smith. Now, Rankin Smith went to work to get his new NFL franchise on the ground. One of the first orders of business was to get the community behind it and also name the team. He did this in one strategic move, one broad brush. Uh, He did both by announcing the community project to nickname the team from suggestions of area contributors, a, a sort of a contest. The winning submission ended up being from a local Griffin, Georgia school teacher who, according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, wrote, quote, The Falcon is a proud and dignified, with great courage and fight. It never drops its prey, and it's deadly and has a great sporting tradition, end quote. Interest was high. With a little promotion, uh, with very little promotion, the season tickets for the New Atlantic Falcons were sold in record numbers. The franchise had to suspend sales after just 54 days because of the popularity. And when they reached a new record for an, a new franchise, and 45,000 season tickets sold. Uh, previously, the Minnesota Vikings held a record of 22,000, so they more than doubled it. The team hired Norb Hecker, a Vince Lombardi assistant coach with the Green Bay Packers, as their first head coach of the Atlanta Falcons football team. On November 27, 1965, the Falcons had their first NFL draft pick. It went to the University of Texas Longhorns Outland Trophy winning linebacker Tommy Nobis. The Houston Oilers of the American Football League also drafted Nobis, but after negotiations with both teams and weighing his options, he signed with the Falcons on December 14th of that year. In their inaugural season, the Falcons lost their first nine games before a milestone moment on November 20th when they defeated the New York Giants 27-16. They finished this first campaign with a record-tying expansion team first season record up to that point of three wins. The team took its lumps until it finally found some moderate success in the 1970s with quarterback uh, Steve Bartkowski leading the way. And in the coming decades, they had some some great hires. Uh, The team hired the colorful Jerry Glanville had some moderate success. The Falcons also drafted Deion Sanders, the very flamboyant and uh, well-spoken and great player in the first round, fifth player overall out of Florida State in the 1989 NFL Draft. Later on, veteran coach Dan Reeves took over the sidelines of Atlanta and took the Falcons, better known as the Dirty Birds that year, to their first title game appearance in, a, in 1998. It was Super Bowl 33, where they lost the Denver Broncos 34-19. They had a bit of a resurgence with talented signal caller named Michael Vick a little bit later. And over a decade after that, they got close to winning it all with Matt Ryan at the helm in a 34-28 overtime loss to the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 51. It's also one of the biggest collapses in Super Bowl history as they held a 28-3 lead uh, in the second half. So just a, you know, a tough break for the Falcons, but they have had some success and uh, they're a promising franchise once again uh, with, with some great things there under Mr. Arthur Blank as the general manager and owner there. And uh, 
you know, there, we have some great uh, spots from the Pro Football Reference uh, that shows the record of the Atlanta Falcons uh, from this previous season that just passed, 2022, all the way back to 1966 when they started and everything in between. Some great stats are from Pro Football Reference, so make sure you check that out at pigskindispatch.com. The, the show notes will take you to the link of the article for this Atlanta Falcons episode. So we hope you enjoyed this little bit of football history on the origins of the Atlanta Falcons and it answered any questions you may have had of how the franchise started and uh, you know where they've been. And uh, you know, didn't get into any great detail, but hope, we hope to do that in some upcoming podcasts here in the future uh, covering each of the NFL teams. But uh, for now, we're going to try to you know cover the origins of, of each of them and try to do one a week and... Uh, Hopefully it uh, prevails as something interesting to you, our listeners. We'd love to have your feedback. Pigskindispatch at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you're thinking. And uh, if you like this uh, approach and uh, maybe anything else that you're interested in, we can can certainly try to uh, get that out there for you as well. But for now, until next time, have a great Gridiron Day. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.